Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. At the end of my last podcast on building your band of brothers, I made a statement about building a culture of righteous manhood. And I want to go into that just a little bit more in this podcast. In fact, I may take several podcasts to do it uh, because I am a big believer in a culture of righteous manhood. In fact, I would say probably uh, one of the main themes of my work and life is the very idea of culture. What is culture? Uh, Culture is simply what is encouraged to grow. We tend to think of culture as being, you know, symphonies and dance and ballet and people being cultured in that sense, certainly an accurate use of the word. But, but culture is essentially what is encouraged to grow. Uh, it's the, uh, to put another definition to it, it's the externalization of the values that we have. Um, it's what flourishes within uh, the context of Um, values and beliefs that we practice. Uh, So what's encouraged to grow? Um, You know, it's pretty simple to illustrate. If you have a family that uh, is constantly putting each other down and it's real fun to wound somebody and reduce them to tears, they're creating a culture of pain and bitterness um, and verbal assault. Their whole house is permeated with it. Their kids will go out into the world with it. Um, They will taint marriages, etc. You know, it's a culture. On the other hand, if you've got a home that's uh, built on mutual encouragement and the value of each individual and the glory of their gifts and the unique way that they're made, well, you're building people who are going to go out confident and strong and, um, and call out the best in others. Why? Because they're, they've been immersed in a culture um, in which what was encouraged to grow was every good thing about them. That's, that's, that's what was encouraged to grow, a culture. Well, I, I believe that, that the goal that we have here. Uh, of building a culture of righteous manhood uh, means taking a serious look at what we are encouraging to grow in our relationships as men. Uh, You know that in my podcast, I said that every man needs to build a band of brothers. And I'm so committed to that idea that I'm actually going to write a little booklet on it here soon uh, that I hope to just, you know, get out there by the millions because every man needs a band of brothers. Um, But but what is it that builds a, man, a culture of righteous manhood? What is a culture of righteous manhood? How, how does it work? How does it start? How does it take hold in a man's life? I, I want you to, to know that, that the, the beginning of sensitivity in a male, uh, the beginning of awareness of what, a, what righteous manhood is, uh, what it can be, uh, how how they need to step up to it from where they are the, in, in their lesser lives can happen in such an seeming almost seemingly incidental way that it's just um, astonishing the power of it. Um, I was sitting with a bunch of my friends the other night, late night at a guy's house, and uh, one of the guys said, "Hey, tell let's all go around the room. Tell us what it was. What was that first experience?" that first sort of launched you into righteous manhood, um, that, that first made you realize that there was a thing like great manhood and that you, you weren't living it and should, or that, that moment when you got awakened to it. Man, it was fascinating to hear the stories. I told mine 
Um, I have a number of them and I've shared some of them in, in books and articles, but there's one I've not really shared. It's very simple. Um, I remember when I was in the eighth grade, uh, actually I was in the seventh grade and I was living in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. My father was an army officer and he was going to CNGS, Command and General Staff College. And I remember that my teacher was a man named Mr. Sawyer. And during the school day, I had told a lie and Mr. Sawyer had asked me to stay after school. And I was expecting, you know, I was going to get homework or something. And all he did when everybody had left was he closed the classroom door. I was still sitting in my same seat, you know, that I always did all day. And he turned to me and he said, if you were any kind of man, you would tell me the truth about this. He said, now go home. He didn't wait for me to decide if I was going to tell the truth. I don't think he wanted to see me sputter around looking for another lie. He knew I had lied, but here he said to my little seventh grade soul, I mean, what was I, uh, 13, maybe just about to be 13. Um, He said, if you were any kind of man, you would tell me the truth about this. Now go home. I got to tell you that walk home was like the Bataan death march. I mean, I walked home knowing that I had lived beneath some standard that he valued, knowing that I even valued it, but didn't know how to walk out, walk in it. Somehow, instantly, with that short phrase, the idea that uh, that that truthfulness and manhood was connected, it was just seared into my brain. Um, another friend sitting at that get together the other night, I, he won't mind me telling a story. I won't give his name. Uh, he said that uh, he was uh, young and dumb and newly married, and he was about forty-five minutes late for a rehearsal, uh, wedding rehearsal. Uh, and uh, when it was all over, a man who would become his pastor and who was uh, uh, who was known uh, as as a pastor to young men at the time walked out in the parking lot, took him by the lapels, and said, "Don't ever do this again. This is wrong. That you're been you're, it's this is beneath you. You don't show up forty five minutes late and make wait, make people uh, wait for you. This is wrong. Don't ever do it again. Be a man." And suddenly in his mind is seared into his brain was seared the idea that a man keeps his word, that a man is on time, that a man is disciplined. Just those short words, boom, landed in his brain. I've shared another one out of my my life. It's another time that manhood kind of awakened in me a bit. In fact, it may be the first one. And I've, I've written about this in some articles that are fairly well known. But uh, when I was very young, maybe only five years old, my father, we were living in Germany. Uh, we were heading into the, to the family car, I think, to go out and eat at the officer's club. And my father suddenly turned to me. He was in his uniform, always impressive, and said, son, get your mother's door, open your mother's door for me, will you? Well, it was the way that he said it and the moment now, my mother was a big, strong woman. I mean, she was elegant, but she was you know, much taller than me and strong and played tennis. And, um, and my father knew that my mother was more capable of opening the door than I, I, I was. But when he said, please open your mother's door for me, please, I, I felt like I was on a commission from the major, from my father, to do a man thing in behalf of my mother. And I got to tell you, I that could have only taken five seconds, 10 seconds to actually do, but it, it made me a partner in the, in the business of manhood 
in taking care of my mother. And I was so proud of it. I'm sure I had to struggle to get the door open. And then I probably closed her dress in the door and she had to open it again. And then I had to struggle to get in my own seat in the back of the car. I mean, it was only five. Um, but but man, my father enlisting me in an act of chivalry regarding my mother awakened something in me. and it And it caused me to think about my mother manhood, my father, and my role in all of it much differently. That's all it takes to awaken a man to manhood. I've also shared in in my book, um, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, that when I was uh, newly graduated from college and went out to West Texas, old Texas men would talk like this. Well, if he was any kind of man, he wouldn't do that. Well, a man would know what to do. You know, they just talked about a man, a man, what a man would do, what kind of man a, man, a certain guy wasn't. It was funny, um, you know, and, and, uh, and I mean, sometimes, you know, you could tell the threat in it. You know, they'd say, well, if he's any kind of man, uh, you know, a man ought to show that, that, that feller what ought to happen, you know, kind of thing. And they were talking about putting him up against the wall and talking about him. Um, I just, I just, just absolutely determined. I did not want anyone saying of me, <laughs> he ain't any kind of man, but you, but you quickly began to understand what a man is, uh, what was expected, uh, that men corrected other men. And that if a guy tortured a community who wasn't any kind of man, well, then other men were going to help him become a man. I mean, it was, it was something. And I learned a lot about manhood. And I got to tell you, nobody was sitting down doing a seminar. Nobody was using a John Eldridge book to teach me or using a Stephen Mansfield book to teach me. They were simply talking about what they valued and what they loved. I got to tell you, man culture starts when you begin to get a clear vision of what noble manhood is and you begin to talk about it, you begin to prize it, you begin to celebrate it and you begin to correct it in gentle and if necessarily progressively harsh ways in each other's lives. And it leads to a band of brothers who are perfecting manhood in, uh, in, in, in intentional ways. The culture of manhood is words, teaching, instruction, stories, reading, film, uh, confrontation. Um, it's celebrating, it's rowdiness, it's food, it's fun, it's adventure. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's sports. It's pushing against a barrier. So you're always making to always trying to overcome some new barrier physically, making your body better. Um, it's getting better at everything you do from loving your wife to, uh, to grilling the steaks, to doing your job, to making more money, to learning how to care for the things in your house and how to do the wiring, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's reading the books you need to read to stay up on what's happening in, in our society. But it's doing it in league with other men, doing it in, in a band of brothers. And that band of brothers becomes uh, the band of men you, in a sense, go to war with. It becomes the band of men into which you initiate your son or sons. Uh, it becomes the team that's got your back as you raise a righteous daughter and love your family well. There's a whole lot more to say about this, but but the culture of righteous manhood is simply about changing what you are encouraging to grow in your life, in the arenas that you are responsible for, and uh, amongst and with a band of men who are going to share that culture with you. It's one of the most exciting, transforming and quite frankly, success guaranteeing things you can do. And it just makes life fun and rich. 
Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.